everybody. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another podcast with us, The Thinking Drinkers, where we recommend two drinks for your week ahead and match them with some sort of celebration or anniversary that's either reasonable or ridiculous. My name's Tom. Uh, I'm one of the thinking drinkers, and I'm here with Ben, the other thinking drinker. Hello, Ben. How are you? All right, mate. How are you doing, Tom? Lovely right. to see you again. Yeah, this is really great to see you again. Uh, how's your week been? What have you been drinking this week? Well, I've been drinking cider. Ooh, Lovely Shipley uh, cider. Because we uh, recently had a gig in Taunton and Exeter one night after the other. And we, in between the gigs, we went to Sheppey's uh, Cider producer in Somerset between Taunton and Wellington. Had a very nice time there. They've got, um, they, it, was, it was harvest time, wasn't it? Like mm. Tractors and apples <laughs> and trees and like all the great stuff. Yeah, they didn't have John Deere tractors, did they? They had the blue ones. I can't remember what they're called. It's been years yeah, since I've talked about tractors. Yeah, and we had a ploughman's. Plowman's yeah. lunch. Mm-hmm. Um, do you know why? Do you know Plowman's was invented by the uh, dairy board? I did, but actually, you took you told me that. That's a fact you've shared with me. Thanks, oh, let's mate. Do that again. Pretend you haven't didn't know that. Okay. Uh, did you know that the Plowman's was invented by the dairy board? I didn't, Ben. Tell me more. Well, you see, it was a way of getting people to eat more cheese and butter and that. And one of the pickles that I think. See what I did there. One of the things that gets me with the plowmans is there's never enough bread mm. for the the chutneys and the pickles and the cheese and everything. Mm. But Sheppies, they've got a lovely little set up there. Smashed it. There's loads of bread. There was. I, I really enjoyed it. We'd been on a bike ride, so we deserved our lunch and our drink. Uh, in the, we call it the sunshine that autumn sun oh it's beautiful me, just it? me and you and i like quite romantic i yeah i mean i was i was having a nice time yes. and then uh, we did a show over that way because yeah. that's what we're doing at the moment sort of traveling touring this weekend we're in it's an absolute circus Tom. we've even got we've got bikes with two wheels on we should start going around with bikes with one wheel and wearing yes. clown shoes yes. <laughs> essentially we are clowns <laughs> But where is the travelling circus going this week? It's going to Yorkshire. this on a Wednesday. Yeah, Yorkshire, Yorkshire, north and south. Um, and we're stopping off in the Peak District on the way at the White Peaks Distillery, where we're doing our members' tasting club for anyone who's a part of that lovely club where we send out Tell me more about the Spirit Subscription Club. Well, I will, because as Christmas comes, people are going to need gifts, aren't they? And this is the perfect gift to give this Christmas, because for a whole year, we send three drinks to your house, direct through your door, 60 mils of lovely discerning drinks, and then we taste them in a virtual tasting session once a month. And we're going to the Peak District for hours on Thursday at the White Peak Distillery, which is why I've been drinking their incredible whiskies and their cask rum, which are all made in England. So we've got English whiskey, and the White Peak Distillery is an incredible setup at the Wireworks uh, over in the Peak District. So uh, I'm very excited about that, and I can tell you now their whiskey is banging gear. Is it banging gear? So let me just, in summary, the subscription club, just so I'm clear, (laughs) right, Yeah. is... For just £150, are we keeping the price the same? Uh, well, I tell you what, if you're listening to this podcast, early bird special, yeah. why don't we do it for uh, buy one, get one free? 
How about that? Yeah, I'm going to say that. (laughs) We haven't discussed this. We haven't discussed this business proposal. Buy one, get one free. Well, here we are. We're meeting. I mean, these podcasts are very much business planning sessions, aren't they? Uh, uh, Yeah, buy one, get one free. Go on. If if you're listening to this podcast right now. What's the code code for it? Well, you just have to email us info at thinkingdrinkers.com and say, I would like to buy one, get one free. And when you buy one, we'll make sure we put two subscriptions down for you with our, our production manager can sort that all out for us. So, Who's yeah. That? Anna. Okay. All right. I do. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. So. Uh, anyway, what else has been re- going on this week? No, no, no. But we haven't summarized the. Okay. Uh, so just to make it clear okay. what you get. Oh, yeah. Okay. Every month we will deliver uh, via the medium of a little letterbox shaped box three pouches full of deluxe drinks each pouch containing 60 mil mm-hmm. that's and that's not all tom it's not always it, it's no. not all tom because what in addition to that you get an amazing online tasting mm-hmm. where which is and as entertaining and informative as it is amusing and it is quite amusing quite quite amusing and then and then you also get an online magazine with loads of recipes and discounts and stuff like that Yep, sometimes uh, discounts, sometimes exclusives. So this month, one of the whiskies we're going to be tasting hasn't even been released yet. It's being released on the day we're tasting it, and they're only releasing 2,000 bottles. So it might not be a discount, but it might be an exclusive access to something that no one else has even tried. Yeah. So I mean, if you there's always a discount to be had because mm. the subscription is in itself a discount. Certainly so based it's on an the prices, all-year discount. Yeah, the prices you pay in the bar, the drinks you're getting for that price are... I mean, just the cheap. postage alone, as we found out to our cost, <laughs> our literal cost. <laughs> our spreadsheet was way out when we came up with this idea, wasn't it? I think it's safe to say that we weren't making money in the first place, and now we're offering buy one, get one free. This business idea really will be running at a, a serious loss. Yeah. But it if is. If we were on Dragon's Den, they'd go, give me the numbers. You'd go, income, nothing, <laughs> oh, oh, outgoings, <laughs> a lot. I have already forethought that, and we will be bringing your dad in. But I think your dad would probably stood there. He'd just be holding his head in his hands, yeah. just going, "I don't know either. It's not worth investing in." They even haven't even got a shareholders' agreement for this business. No, so, but also, uh, if you do Dragons Den, if you do want to buy the business for two million pounds, hundred percent, you can take it off our hands. Yeah, please. See you later. Um, well, that's good. Okay, so. Uh, you've been drinking some. You've been getting high on your on our own, on supply. own supply. I've also been drinking some ale. Uh, my local pub, the Carpenters Arms, used to serve Harvestoon Bitter and Twisted, which was one of my favourite session ales. I have yeah. to say, I go there for Sunday pints with my friend Seamus. There's a lot of S's, and uh, that was my favourite session. Now, they've changed the barrel over to Harvey's. Uh, oh, oh, Harvey's, it. yeah, Sussex. Um, Name the. Um... Name the uh, 1980s uh, detective series with a character called Harvey. Harvey. Come on. Dead air is a crime. Not Bergerac. Uh, it's an American one. Oh, sorry. I was thinking... 
the two ladies yeah uh i can't think cagney and lacey yes yes got it i think the one the 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 bigger boned one was married to harvey okay (laughs) anyway they were both in great shape they were lovely lovely ladies really friendly and they were doing good for the community yeah and also so i i drank a, a couple of pints of that it's uh, lovely gear because really, I, well, I live in a champion beer of britain ben yeah Is it? one year. well it was one year one year, one yeah, year it was champion year. no i don't know what it was last yeah. year no i do i can't remember okay. um uh no it's lovely gear and harvey's brewery and lewis is it's brilliant lewis uh white witchcraft castle of britain you know that oh, i i didn't uh, um and i don't and know if you're going if you've got if you're anywhere near sussex uh november the 5th coming up they do an amazing uh Guy Fawkes night where they burn effigies of the Pope and stuff. It's pretty. Yeah. It's all family friendly. They wear is white it? hoods. Is it? And... So, yeah, no, they, not really. No. Yeah, I, no, I mean, I, I, I've, I've got a vague recollection of being there and seeing some outfits. It's, it's hardcore, questionable. It's pagan, which pagan. A lot of pag- there's a lot of pagan stuff going on, which can be misinterpreted as pagan wizards. Hmm. As a kind of imagine the the sort of the societies in the deep south of America. Yes, there's some yeah. very similar dress codes. Doesn't mean they have the same views, though. No. No. Nice. Lewis is very middle class and nice. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, anyway let's yeah, move yeah. on. Let's move before move we get on to anything, does Yeah, so, should we get on to our drinks? Yeah, man. What what we going what, well, well these what well, let's first of all let's decide what we what the what the week is. So it is what's the day today? The nineteenth. So oh, we're going from the twenty first. Yep. Um Right up until the 26th. So we could have had National Hungry Day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is on the 23rd. We could have, on the 24th of October, I uh, discovered that a woman uh, got shot by a dog called Trigger. That's funny. That's funny. It's a, a she, did she die? No, 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 remember. No, no, she didn't no, die. No, no, Just no, a flesh injury. wound. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. She was hunting ducks in Indiana. Mm. Uh, the 25th of, uh, 25th of October, Battle of Agincourt. That's a good one. Yeah. But, uh, but we're not going with those, are we? No, 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 no. And we're not going with, for the gunfight at the OK Corral because that's American whiskey. We did that last week. Yeah. So, so what are we doing, Tom? Well, the first one we're going to do is the 21st of October, which is the anniversary of the death, a sad oh. anniversary, but the death of a hero. So what we go again. It's a roller coaster, this one. Death, hero. Yes. Admiral Lord Horatio Nelson. No yeah. way. When yeah. did he die? 21st of October, 1805. Yes. And uh, we all know Nelson. He's got a, a massive column. He does. Um, which was which... erected in uh, 1843 in Trafalgar Square. Which birds still flock around today. Birds flock around there and uh, it's covered in shit. Um, and <laughs> the analogy falls down a little bit. Yeah, uh, for those watching this on YouTube, where a lot of people access their podcast now, uh, I've got Nelson's column um, behind me right now, <laughs> fully erected and behind me. Uh, and Admiral Lord Horatio Nelson uh, is famous for many things, but mostly famous for us for giving Napoleon's French Navy a proper spanking. Beat them up. Do you know what the score was in ships? It was. It was well. He was against the odds. I know that they had around yeah. thirty-three ships to his twenty-seven. Yeah, but how many did he sink, he and how many? Them. Do you know the score? Was it? it I, I I don't know. 
Tell me 20, the score. 22-0. 22-0. They didn't guess. They didn't sink one single British ship. Wow. Why? Because they're not very good at it. They're not very good at war. They're we'll not. come back to the French. Let's come yeah. back to them because let's give uh, yeah. the Vice Admiral Horatio Nelson or the First Viscount Nelson or First Duke of Bronte Nelson. There's many titles. Let's give him his dues uh, because for a start, he's a man that's rallied against the odds. He was one of 11 kids. He was in the middle of the family. And as a result, he was going to get no discernible inheritance. And back in the day, that meant he was a loser yeah. financially, but also in terms of prospects. The family didn't really believe he'd amount to much. So at the age of 12, he joined the Navy. And his family didn't really think that was a great idea, particularly his uncle, Uncle Morris Suckling. That was his uncle's name, Mo Suckling. <laughs> can, we just pause, can we just pause for a second? Mo Suckling. Uh, What's his, I, Mo, Morris or William? Morris. 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 So shortened to Mo, Mo Suckling. Mo. And <laughs> he was an uncle. Mo Suck, as <laughs> his rap name would be called. <laughs> that wasn't a, if that isn't a name for a weird uncle, then I don't know what it's been. Hi, so, come on, kids, tidy up. Uncle Mo Suck is coming around. <laughs> so Nelson's uncle, Mo Suck, uh, was a bit down on Nelson. Um, uh, he famously, uh, apparently, this is famous, I don't know, I'd never heard him, this quote, it's not famous, but so someone wrote that it was famous. He said when he heard that Nelson was joining the Navy and Mo, Mo Suckling was uh, in the Navy, he said, what has poor Horatio done, who is so weak that he should be sent to rough it out at sea, but let him come? And the first time we go into action, a cannonball may knock off his head and provide for him at once. So, um, brilliant! Yeah, what, a, what, what an absolute twat! What did? Um, uh, well, there's no one's heard of Mosak, have they? They haven't. They haven't. Who, everyone's got. Yeah, I mean, everyone a... heard has heard of Lord Nelson, and, they and have. a Mosak doesn't have an enormous. Um, Shaft um, in uh, Trafalgar Square. It wasn't. I don't know. The, in the, a Corinthian style. Certainly, no, no enormous shaft has made it into the diaries of Mo, Mo Suck. Um, but it turned out that Nelson was giving him a proper V's, V for victory, and an up yours to his uncle because he turned out to be pretty good. He went to uh, the Naval College, Ben. Where he learned to belly dance. Where he also learned to belly dance. Uh, and and he was he was very he was a natural. He took his first command at the age of twenty. So eight years after joining, he had a command and he became an admiral at the age of thirty-nine. Uh, having said that, it wasn't very easy for him because people may know this fact. Nelson suffered from seasickness for he his did. entire career. Uh, which is really quite unfortunate. But uh, he really did want to persevere. He said who famously wrote, again famously, and might not be that famous, but he wrote, he was ill every time it blew hard. <laughs> so he's also a weird Uncle Mo. And nothing but his enthusiastic love for his profession kept him one hour at sea. So well done, Nelson, for persevering. Proof to all those young people now who not persevering in their careers. Yeah, you got to, even if you studies. hate what you do, you despise your daily routine. Just keep doing it, guys. Yeah, because that's what life's about. That's what if you want to see. Kids. If you want to see what that looks like, come to Barnsley on Saturday and yeah. see our show. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you'll see. You'll see what it means 
to despise you just plow them through guys <laughs> even though it makes you do a bit of sick in your mouth yeah uh nelson was also famous for breaking the rules disobeying orders he yeah. claimed in the battle of copenhagen that he couldn't see the signal to withdraw from the battle but he was looking through the telescope with his bad eye he had one blind eye so yeah. he was looking through the telescope with his blind eye not where the phrase turn a blind eye comes from which is what i erroneously believed uh, is it not i thought that was where no, it came it's from. not apparently it was in circulation that phrase in the 1600s so i was a bit oh, disappointed that's a shame you should have you shouldn't have said that, that. Adds... i know i've got a couple of others uh, well i think kind of just whilst on his eye oh yeah he was often pictured or depicted uh with a uh, pirate's patch over his right eye but he never wore that oh. because his eyeball was actually still intact um even though it was blind, it looked like it was uh, in, in decent nick. Mm. Um, and because, it, yeah, it got damaged, uh, as we all know, in Corsica in 1794. Yeah, I knew that. Uh, 17, I thought it was 1793, was it? 1794? No, no, I always get that wrong. Yeah, yeah I know. Um, But he did say, so turn a blind eye's not it. Giving us the ropes came from certainly Nelson's time. There were 30 ropes on his massive ships, and knowing all 30 of them gave us the phrase, knowing the ropes but also gave us slush funds to make it food and drink related the slush fund comes from the fatty waste grease that was created from cooking salt meat by the uh, ship's cooks and they could sell that at port to candle makers so that was the slush fund and that money they could use to spend on anything they liked maybe ben a bit of rum although as we know they did get a rum supply which is yes. where we get the term grog yes. and groggy. If you're feeling groggy in the morning, that comes from Nelson and his Navy. They would be drinking watered-down rum, which was grog and was a, a supply. They were given a, a daily ration of that, handed out in fannies. Um, that's what the container was called, fannies. So after a day on the fannies, uh, you were said to be groggy. And oh, that's so... And his wife was called fanny as well, Lord Nelson's wife, who he betrayed he went after he he had an affair with um oh god what's her name elizabeth someone she was she was a bit mm. of a big deal in british society and he had an affair a very well publicized affair uh and he rejected his wife fanny but then they drink out uh, with her. also did you know yeah. that if you um if you lose it in france if you lose at Patonk without scoring a point, you have to kiss the fanny. It's a picture of a very, again, a rather big bone lady. Um, there's a little, usually a picture or, or engraving on a Patonk pitch. And if you lose, you have to go up to it and kiss kiss the fanny. So now you know. <laughs> Wowzers. <laughs> yeah. That's an interesting little aside. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Well, let's get back to Nelson and his rule breaking, because one of the best stories I read about Nelson was that he bunked off the ship off duty uh, with some of his mates and stalked a polar bear over ice. Have you heard this one? He actually went after a polar bear. Um, he, he did apparently love animals, but he wanted to claim a, a polar bear as a prize. And uh, he chased after it, found one, but his weapon misfired. So he had to force the creature off him with the butt of his rifle until he was able to get away. That's pretty impressive, isn't it? That is. Do you know the um do you know the uh what's the what's what's the word where there's a sort of rhyme to make make you remember something? There's for bears, it's um uh, brown lie down, black fight back, white. Really? Good, good night. 
Did yeah. you know as well, Tom, that um, the statue of Nelson, uh, where the way it's uh, pointed, it faces goes right down Whitehall, and if you carry on that line. It goes through HMS Victory, where HMS Victory is in Portsmouth. And ultimately, beyond that, it hits Cape Trafalgar, which is in southern Spain, which is where he, um, uh, yeah. he was killed. Uh, I didn't know that. So it, that's, yeah. that's a good fact. Um, well, we should, we should in, in, in conclusion to the man, we should mention Battle of Trafalgar because, of mm. course, uh, breaking the rules is one of the reasons he, he beat the French. He decided to go straight at them in two columns instead of going at them in, in the normal traditional style of row, lining your ships up in a row sort of horizontally and he ploughed straight into them and um well as we as history has proven in many occasions the french don't really like, it, like it up, up under they so they uh they shat themselves and um and uh and nelson ult- ultimately defeated them it was a very very big battle One hundred ten thousand men fought in the battle and um 3,500 of them were Irishmen fighting for the British, which is quite surprising given the history between those two nations. But the British also have records of Chinese, African and American men really? in the British crews. But they were, but, were they all, I imagine they were like mercenaries, weren't they? Uh well, four oh, thousand. Well, we did we were was Britain was that when Britain ruled the show? Uh, yeah, we I like, guess it's some yeah. sort of... Okay, so they were obliged to do it. Sorry about that, that, guys. Sorry. Bad, we made some mistakes. We weren't the only there. ones. I mean... No, you know, no, no. French, but The French to, and the Spanish... To, to point at other well, countries yeah. having no. been worse oppressors is not really the point, is it? Um, but, it's you know, uh, they they did win the battle, um, but, also, but they suffered some injuries, didn't they? they, they the main did. one well, being they suffered him... It was more than an injury. It was a fatality, really. Um, yeah. I mean, there were 821 crew members on Nelson's ship alone. Uh, so it was a really busy ship, which very easy to hide on, I'm sure. But Nelson took the view that he wanted everyone to see him, which might come back to your take on it, Ben. And he wore a very bright blue outfit with all his medals, which made him a bit of a target. Yeah. So he, he wore, was hit. They, because he wore his epaulettes, which is, which is French. And in fact, he he he. he uh, that's why they reckon they could see him. And also, weirdly, he discouraged British sailors from wearing these epaulettes because, well, because they look French. He got shot by a, a French uh, musket, musketeer, musket man, Dude. whatever they are. They can't be called yeah. musketeers, can they? That would definitely be swords. But he was shot with a gun. Um, a musket. Musket. Was, a musket. It was one of those big sort of cartoon guns that you see yeah. in cartoons mm. um and that gives rise to uh the drink which is yes. why we're Come all on. here yeah uh yeah let's get on to the drink uh and uh he was killed they didn't think he his body would make it back from uh the strait of gibraltar so they preserved his body in a barrel of spirits bit of conjecture over what that spirit was because there is a very every chance they were drinking brandy they were fighting the french they were off the coast of around spain um, so brandy would be the most common drink available to them. That's what the Navy were drinking, but they were fighting the French. So some believe that he wouldn't serve up brandy because of the French and they were drinking rum. So Nelson, we're going to go with the rum story. Yeah, because, let's go rum. Um, <clears throat> so they put Nelson's body in a barrel of rum to preserve it for the journey back. By the time he got back, his face was unrecognizable from swelling, but Allegedly, there was no rum left because the crew had been taking a little sip in honour of their great Nelson along the route back. So 
we have the term Nelson's blood, which is the naval term for rum. Um, and the That's rum brilliant. we're going to suggest you have with your celebration of Nelson's life is Pusser's rum, because Pusser's rum is a, a faithful replica of the naval rum ration that was issued last on uh, 1970, 31st of July, which we might come to at a later date. And uh, and it was a, it's, a, it's a rum that's really been put together in honour of the rum that they were serving to the Navy at that time. Um, and it was created by a guy called Charles Tobias, who was actually near Gibraltar on his yacht when he, he got into some trouble with the engine. And the Navy rescued him and also gave him some rum. And he liked the rum so much he endeavoured over the next few years to create a rum that could taste like the the, the rum ration and sort of quite tirelessly went through the recipe and put together rums that are a blend of five from the Caribbean region. And that's what we've got today. So we've got some rum in there that comes mm-hmm. from Guyana and two from Trinidad. And Guyana rum is made on these wooden pots stills, which are unique. So that's a great rum. Trinidad and Tobago makes sort of quite quite nice spicy rums. And then it's bottled in Barbados and its spiritual home is, sorry, it's not bottled, it's bottled in British Virgin Islands, which is where its it's sort of spiritual home is. Um, And home to the Soggy Dollar Bar. Have you ever heard of that? Soggy Dollar Bar? No, I haven't, no. Well, you obviously haven't read my book, uh, World's Best Cocktails. No, I haven't. (laughs) Anyway, the Soggy Dollar Bar is a bar that you can't access on feet in the Virgin Islands. You have to sail up there and swim to the bar, hence your Soggy Dollars. And they serve a Pusser's Painkiller cocktail, which is quite a famous classic cocktail. So there we are. Have some Pusser's rum. You could have it in a cocktail. Uh, We recommend the Nelson's Blood Number 2 cocktail, which is Pusser's own invention. And for that, you'll require 45 millilitres of Pusser's rum, 45 millilitres of cranberry juice, 20 millilitres of lime juice, 10 millilitres of sugar syrup, 20 millilitres of orange juice, two dashes of Angostura bitter and some ice. Shake it all up, put it in a tall ice-filled glass and garnish with a lime wedge. To prevent scurvy. Yeah. Yes, which was rife on the ships back then. So that's good. Um, mm. I've got a few more Nelson stuff because I, I got. Once you get into looking at Nelson, you've got. Oh, that's so if you actually look at the, man. Uh, the column, the metal base mm. made of melted down gardens captured from the French. Wow. Yeah. Do you know how I got them? Just We just asked them for one and they handed them over because they are cowards. Um. What else? Not really. I'm French. Um, <laughs> oh, xenophobia! They did. They they did lots of good work. And do you know they've won? France has won more wars than any other nation in the world. But mm. um, how many pubs in Britain do you uh, call the Lord Nelson? Not as many. As no, I, I do. Sixty-five. <laughs> An underwhelming fact. Yeah, for us, exactly. <laughs> um, uh, and you're like this. Do you know um, uh, the naval? The, unlike the army, who stand up to toast the queen, the navy only toast the monarch sitting down. Uh, yeah. It dates back to when I think Charles II was sailing home uh, back to England, um, and he stood up and um, 
during a toast and smacked his head on a beam, obviously, because the, the ceiling is quite low. So to avoid this from happening again, they only ever toast the queen or the king, as it is now, um, while sat down, unless they are on the ship in the room where they do have to stand mm. up. And last but not least, in naval slang, do you know what the term for premature ejaculation is? It's getting off at Fratton. This is because Fratton is two train stops before Portsmouth. So uh, there's there you one, go. There's one for Uncle Morris. <laughs> Uncle Mo. <laughs> Uncle Mo Suckling. <laughs> also, talking about Mo Suckling, you know the, the the thing you were talking about of them, of his crew, um, they adored him so much they drank the barrel dry. Mm. About that is called sucking a monkey, which brings ah. us on to Mo Suck. Yeah, it's all come. It's, um, gone, it's gone full circle, mate. It's gone full, gone full circle. circle. Oh yeah. Oh crikey! You've turned into Tony Cascarino, <laughs> <laughs> and he is not featuring in our podcast as one of our legends today, is he, Ben? No. Shall we move on to our second week. So we are celebrating the twenty second of October. Which in 1879 was when Thomas Edison invented and revealed a commercially practical, long-lasting light bulb. Which right. is which. So let me tell you a bit about Edison because he. Well, I'm just going to say that was quite specific, and I'm sure you'll explain why. Because this is one of the, uh, the things with Edison, isn't it? You said he he patented. And were invented in inverted commas, but it was the first commercial light bulb, wasn't it? Because it didn't actually. No. So what Edison was very bulb. good at was um, essentially looking around and working out what other boffins were up to, uh, and invented, and then tweaking those inventions and making them commercially viable. Because what a lot of boffins were doing was coming up with great inventions, but didn't know how to make them relevant to everyday mm. life or make them affordable he set up this invention factory in new jersey where he assembled a uh they were called the insomnia squad and basically there were these like several dozen nerds who uh you know with anoraks zip right up to the top uh and each of them had a sort of distinct talent and they stayed up all night thinking of good ideas um which is why i imagine he became interested in the light bulb because before uh-huh. that, there was kerosene lamps, but there were there was there were quite a few inventors who had successfully created an alternative to the kerosene lamp. Uh, but Edison, who was late to the party, and therefore benefited from all the work they'd already done, he realised that light bulbs needed a whole new, like they couldn't just work on their own. They needed a whole new infrastructure, so generators, substations, transmission lines, you know, all that kind of thing. And he also realized that there needed to be a customer sort of desire for it, an awareness of it. So he designed and made this whole system with his light, the light bulb at the heart of it. Um, and the first, and he, he, so the first like public demonstration of these bright lights was in Menlo Park, New Jersey, uh, in at the end of 1879. And he then built a small, really small generator in Lower Manhattan that only powered put lights in like 60 homes but there was a reason why he chose that neighborhood a the houses were very close together so it was easy to set up but b it was just around the corner from wall street and and sort of close to the like the corridors of power so when this new street was lit up all the bankers and money men got excited and wanted to invest in his idea 
Edison patented 1,093 different inventions. Didn't he, he did. Yeah. He invented, I mean, he invented loads of cool stuff. Um, what else did he do? Let me just have a look. Oh, there's a whole well, I know he invented I can't concrete furniture was one of his. Yeah, um, not which so good. It's not a good idea, really. Uh, although that might have been part of the tornado-proof house, which was one of his ideas as well, wasn't it? But he was quite an odd uh, chap from all accounts. So he used to um, communicate with his wife using Morse code. <laughs> On his, you know, like, she'd they'd be at dinner parties, and if they, if he wanted to go, he'd go. Uh, he he took tap on her hand. Let's get the fuck out of here. It's really boring, or or, or such like. Yeah. But he also he was apparently that's quite. I mean, that's quite relevant today, isn't it? I suppose. I, of, I mean, it's I a mean, good one to. Um, and my wife definitely com- communicates with me in Morse code. It's sort of. Stop it! It's not misogynistic. It's just just par- partners. Yeah, it's just it's probably could be a man. It, it could be to our could wives. Be, yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah. Uh, when I say she communicates, yeah, exactly. Back when she listens to this podcast, she's going to be really angry with me. There's going to be lots of dashes. And do you know why that's okay, Ben? Why? Because she's never going to listen to this podcast. She just sounds like when I hear her. <laughs> anyway, he believed that there were a dozen or so tiny, minuscule people living in each of our brains. And that when we die, Edison reckoned, these little, <laughs> these little people simply pack their bags and go and live in someone else's head. <laughs> it's, it's not a bad theory. It's a lovely theory. It's, it's a bit like, you know. But the reason I think he thinks that is that he did too much cocaine. And the oh. reason he did too much cocaine brings us seamlessly onto our drink because he drank Vin Mariani, which was which was uh, launched in 1859 and was drunk, was very popular at the time, and it was seen as this kind of elixir to improve your health. And it was drunk by Pope Leo XIII, the uh, explorer Jules Verne, uh, Ulysses Grant, the American president, and Queen Victoria. And the reason they liked this stuff was it was potent, um, and it was basically red wine with cocaine leaves in it. Coca- <laughs> cocoa leaves, not coca leaves, because that's chocolate. You know what I mean? Yeah. Co- well, it's coca. Coca, coca exactly. Uh, rather than cacao or cocao. Yeah, yeah. But it's, it was basically... <clears throat> Wine with coke in. Unsurprisingly, it it kept him awake. Um, each each fluid ounce contained seven point two milligrams of cocaine, and it was French wine, and and it made it basically made, yeah allowed him to stay awake at night, gave him a bit of a buzz, and um and there's a reason why he needed a light bulb. Now, the Vin Mariani mm. has been relaunched, and we tasted it recently at one of our Groucho clubs, but I'm going for something else. I'm going for a version of it, which is it's a drink called the Kalimoto, and it is a mixture of red wine and Coca-Cola, equal parts. Didn't get really popular until the 70s when uh, there was this in in the old port of Algorta, which is in the Basque Country. They had this big festival where, for some reason, the youngsters were put in charge of getting the wine, and they got they got mugged off basically and got sold loads of sour wine, and to try and sell it. 
they mixed it one-to-one with wine and coke and if you go to san sebastian places like that it is a drink the calimoto is one of the drinks which is mm. is very popular but I, i've been been lucky enough to visit the basque region where this drink is enjoyed but they used to drink it, and they don't do this so often now but you might if you go uh, mm. see it or ask for it to be drunk from a poros and that's um like these sort of jugs with a very thin spout and they're a bit like a watering can so as you pour your your wine and coca-cola out mm. it comes out in a very thin stream so it actually can go directly into your mouth and they have this on the table with a cork on the top to keep usually wine but sometimes your your mixture or your kilomoto uh kilomoko sorry a mix so you can have it as a table serve and you don't have to have glasses so it keeps it fresh and then people share because you don't have to put your lips to the glassware they just pour it into each oh, other's okay. mouth a bit like a discerning fancy sort of layback i suppose um, well i suppose that also in spain they do that with the cider don't they mm, the cedar they they pour it from it. yeah they throw it which aerates it and gives it more mouthfeel and things like that um, yeah body um right i'm going to try this equal parts yeah, you... uh coca-cola other other products are available um, and Rioja, well, of course, Coca-Cola was, was 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 designed and based on the the, the yeah. Vin Mariani story. The Vin Mariani, I mean, the the, the Vin Mariani with the Coke, um, it was banned in 1906. So mm. even as late as that, you could be drinking wine with cocaine in. And uh, they stopped it just before the beginning. And it was banned officially, but they kept making up making it in a, on the sly and repackaging it and getting around the rules until the beginning of World War One. Which is when they actually think about it, you wine with coke would have come in bloody handy. I mean, if, yeah. you're over the, if you're going over the top in the Battle of the Somme, mm. yeah, all those magic yeah. being in the trenches, loads of people on coke. Oh, no. Man. Well, that was it. Freud was a big, big user of coke, wasn't he? And really endorsed it. In fact, it encouraged his girlfriends and friends to, to take the stuff. And then uh, right up until the point one of his friends was having paranoid hallucinations and believed that white snakes were crawling all over him. So if you had that in the trenches as well, don't need that sort of bother when you've got people shooting at you as well. Yeah. Uh, so maybe not. Maybe not. Drugs are for mugs. Drugs are for mugs. Hugs, not drugs, guys. Hugs, not drugs. So, um, yes, I I would recommend this Rioja and Coke. It's quite nice. It is all mm. right, you know. It's um, not just a Basque thing, is it? They they drink it in uh, oh, yeah, yeah, Croatia. No, Argentinians yeah. drink it, yes. and they call it Jesus juice. Apparently, yeah. Um, so it is a good it is a good drink. I'm I'm a fan. I have to say, um, especially yeah. with, with the wine I can get from Lidl. The Lidl oh, one's good, but Vin, Vin Mariani you can actually get a, uh, the new version with no cocaine in it, obviously. But they do have yeah. the Libyan coca leaves. <laughs> in there uh and that we had that the other day at the, at the grill show where we do regular taste things don't you know uh and that's our second drink of the week so yeah go away uh, think about your dinner parties as we yeah. know they're all the rage don't do coke guys don't do any fueling coke. uh some organized crime mm, and death and on. destruction we don't yeah. like drug users um, but um, more importantly it turns you into a bell end a <laughs> bell end Chatting shit that no yeah. one wants to hear. Ideas like dog nappies, which I think yeah. we can all agree about ideas that just get repeated at full throttle. Yeah. Your stupid narcotics. The insomnia squad came up with some <laughs> crap ideas because they all coked up 
lunatics. Dog crap. Yeah. So that brings us to the end of our two drinks recommendations. If you yes. are in the Yorkshire area, north or south this weekend, please don't have a dinner party. If you're on Friday, you can come and see us in, uh, in uh, Selby. Selby. And then Saturday and we'll be in Barnsley. So and then beyond that, let me just get to our... I can't you get to our doing. dates. Well, because oh, we've got tall. half term. What are you doing half term? Oh, uh, looking after the kids a bit. Uh, I went to Ninja Warrior with my kids the other day. I won't be going back there ever. Right. Uh, that is it. That is. If you are looking for an experience that provides both headache and uh, extreme bodily fluid loss, and I'll explain why because that sounds a bit odd, but. I just sweated a lot in there and uh, the the screaming. Don't go to Ninja Warrior with your kids. I'll, I'll take them on a bike ride or something. Anyway, what are you doing? Doing Are you going I'm on away? a barge. Oh, going on a barge. On a, yeah. I thought it'd be a good idea to put my wife and my two uh, <laughs> boys in a very small confined space in October while it's raining and sail. Sail? Drive? What do you do? In a, we'll, I'll find out. Potter. Potter. <laughs> Potter down the canal towards <laughs> Bradford upon Avon and back again. Um, it seemed like a good idea when but it. Um, but beyond that, beyond that, beyond that, assuming I, I'm alive and my, or I'm not in custody um, after that week's holiday, um, we are our sh- we are taking our shows on the fourth of November to Wickham. The Hogsback Brewery on the 11th of November, 12th of November, the day after we're going to Worcester. And then we're in Bristol on the 18th, Isle of Wight on the 2nd of December. And we finish our year of fun and frolics on the 15th of December at the Wolverhampton, the Robin R&B Club in Bilston, Wolverhampton. So we'll see you there. Yeah. Assuming you live near Wolverhampton. Right. Thanks, mate. That was a joy. We've learned a lot. Thank you. Um, Uncle Mo, if he was alive, would be very, very impressed. Thanks for listening. Bye. Cheers. Bye. Bye.